From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Maps Daily, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Bobby Carell. I'm from Maps Digital. Joining me today, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Isaac Harris. Isaac, where are you going on the All-Star break? I don't know where I'm going, but I'm curious to where you're going with like your best friend, Dwayne Wade. I didn't know if you and Wade were going to hang out over All-Star break. I saw him quote tweet you the other day, so I, I just... And that got your friendship out in the open. So I just, can you address that? Just how y'all became friends in 2006? Yeah. You know, the, the last 48 hours or so have really been a whirlwind. It's all happened so quickly. Um, my cloud is just through the roof right now. Frankly, I'm just getting all sorts. I'm getting bombarded. Um, I have a small taste of what it's like to be rich because everyone just wants to be my friend. And uh, it's very sweet because, you know, even though I'm a super popular guy, I could always use more friends. So I'm very happy that D-Wade finally kind of made it public that, yes, we are indeed best friends. Uh, He thinks I have the best basketball opinions, uh, the most impressive Mm. stats, and uh, I'm happy that he enjoyed it. And I will say on a serious note, on a serious note, I may or may not have really disliked Dwayne Wade at one point in my life. Uh, I may or may not think that he's the, you know, like Dirk is better than him or whatever, whatever. But yeah. he likes Luca and he respects Luca and that's cool. You know, LeBron that respects cool. Luca. Like, dude, all of the people that you hated, all the like Pop loves Luca. Like, all of those guys, you only hated them because the Mavs rivals with them at the time. Every single one of them recognizes how good Luca is. And so it's just cool to kind of see like I don't know, them come around and it feels like we should all come around and you know, the world needs less just anger and vitriol. So D Wade, if you want to be buddies, let's be friends. I think there's a space for us to say, Wade, it's cool that he likes Luca and I still don't like Wade. I think that's, (laughs) that's okay to say. I think that's okay to say. Um, I will harbor those feelings for a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to buy dinner for him, but since we're friends, he's going to buy dinner for me. So it it all works out. (laughs) So it's all great. It's all great. Uh, okay, Isaac, we're uh, we're kind of approaching the midpoint here. Tonight the Mavs play their final game of the first half-ish of the regular season. They were supposed to play 37 of them. This is only going to be game number 34, so they got three to make up in the second half. They're going to be a fast and furious final two months of the season, but on the other side of this game tonight against OKC, you got to play the game, you got to win the game and all that stuff, but on the other side of it is a 5-6 day all-star break or I guess maybe a little more than that because they don't play their next game until March 10th so they get another week off which is pretty cool uh everybody except for Luca that is uh so it's kind of you know the natural halfway point you sort of look back you look forward and all the all that stuff but you know we we talked a little bit before this about what we were going to talk about on this episode um and you you suggested kind of looking back on the whole first half 
And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting because the first half of the season can almost be divided in half. It's pretty much yeah. everything that happened before COVID and then everything that's happened since those guys have come back. So we're talking like from December 23rd to January 25th or so, 27th, which is when uh, Josh Richardson, Dwight Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith came back. Maxi Kleba came back a couple of days later. Uh, so the first month of the season, very rocky. The second month of the season, much better. Still hiccups along the way. Uh, but but let's start with the the more recent half because it's it's more fun to talk about. Yeah. But also it's kind of more telling of what this team is. Uh, did you learn anything about these guys over the last couple weeks, last month, last six weeks? Because it feels like this is a more accurate representation of what this team is supposed to be than uh, than what we saw really any time before that. Well, to take some words from Rick Carlisle, this team's much better when they're not dealing with COVID. And you know, I think our, our friend Tim McMahon of ESPN asked him that question uh, the other night of, "Hey, what have you learned over this stretch?" You know, because they have won, you know, nine of their last twelve and eight of their last ten, which is it's crazy. With like what you said, it's it's insane to think about that this team is over five hundred right now, game over five hundred. Tonight they play OKC, like you said. They win this game. They're two games over 500 going into the All-Star break. If you would have told me back at that lowest of moments when the guys weren't back yet, we're like 14th in the West, you know, we're far away from 500, that we would finish at the All-Star break, like possibly two games or at least a game over 500. I'm like, man, that, they would have to go on a, a big-time stretch over – yeah, the the course of what, you know, mostly February, I guess. And it was just crazy how everything kind of played out because we we knew going into the season January was gonna be hard because the like the road games, you know, we just saw okay, January is gonna be all these road games, February they're gonna be at home a lot, and then bam, it wasn't just them being on the road, it was all this stuff. It was KP, you know, coming back, you know, what, nine or ten games into the season. It was bam, COVID happens and just all of that. I mean, it just wipes out your rotation for three weeks. So just to see how this team has responded, I think I've learned more about this team like mentally and just how like mentally tough they are over these past few weeks, more than almost more than just basketball wise, because I mean, we've talked about these games. You go back to like that Utah game and I want to say that first golden state game, there was like legit effort stuff out there. And like, Dang, like it seemed like just the whole season had gotten to them. The effort wasn't there. And we're like, man, we're trying to figure out what this team is and what's going wrong. Is this, yeah, what is it? And just to see how this team's like collective mindset has changed and their just their chemistry, all of that has changed over these past few weeks. I think that's proved to me, and I've learned more about the team in that aspect more than actual basketball. Yeah, I mean, they definitely found rock bottom. You know, and, yeah. and there were a few different points that you could choose. You know, Dallas got kind of – this is even in the second half of the schedule. We can talk about the first half later because I got plenty to say about that too. But just even in the last month, you know, losing to Golden State at home, they lead by 40 in that game. I mean, Kelly Oubre gave him 40 oh. points. You know, I mean, it was, the, the Utah losses – look, Utah, they've won – they've led – I mean, you, you work for David Locke, so you should know this off the top of your head by now, but <laughs> they've led by 20 points like in 80% of their games or something. Like they're just blowing teams out all year. So to play yeah. them 
in your first game back for three of your key rotation players, including two starters, still missing another in, starter, is pretty tough. In but, Utah. Yeah, in yeah. Utah on national TV, like twice. It's pretty bad. But uh, that Golden State game was – that was brutal. And they've lost games since then. They've arguably lost games that they should not have lost since then. Yeah. But – it's been a much improved team since then, it, but but it's very important. That's a crucial thing that you pointed out, the effort stuff, um, because, you know, we knew that as, as the team got healthier, the team would get better, but that effort stuff was still happening once the team was getting healthier. And, you know, it, it's tough to separate, like, so the other day I was looking at Josh Richardson's just game log for the whole year, because I haven't looked at it all year, because he's just, he's pr- a pretty consistent guy, but including the magic game they're 13 and 5 this season when he scores in double figures and he's mm-hmm. played in 24 games so that means six times he has scored in single figures right so nine points or less now the difference between nine and ten is one point so whatever but bear with me on this four of the times that he did not score in double figures were the first week he got back from covid so like mm-hmm. even though the team yes there were some like toughness kind of you better play with some pride moments. Yeah. But also those guys were so like out of shape, you know, from, from sitting on their butts in a hotel room for three weeks that it's like, yeah, they could have tried harder, but like, could they have really tried harder? So it's just really tough to like, it's tough to distinguish, you know, their shortcomings as a team from the fact that they were literally like in a bed for three weeks, all of them, even if they didn't have COVID, which I to this day, I mean, Richardson alluded to him having it. I think Maxie admitted to. Ha- I don't really know which ones had it or didn't have it or whatever. Um, but even if they did not have COVID, they could not leave their room. So like, I mean, he, or even Brunson. I mean, I, we remember yeah. Rick saying Jalen's been testing negative for two weeks. You know, Rick was expressing some frustration about it at the time, and Brunson was in a hotel room for two weeks in Denver and just can't like, touch hey. a ball, can't work out, nothing. You're eating like hotel food, which. There was a really good article in the Ringer today about kind of like how the the um, teams are sort of like suggesting dishes for hotel uh, room service menus because like you can't leave for restaurants. So like teams are like ordering ahead and kind of like, but anyway, whenever the team is gone, you're not getting any of the extra good stuff, you know? So like you're, you're subsisting off like room service for like three weeks. These guys have professional chefs, you know, like their whole life is different for a very significant period of time. And then they have to come back with no practice. And in that first week, it was like nine days and they played six games in nine days after having COVID, which attacks your lungs. So it's just like, and at the time, everybody was like, that's an excuse. But also like now that the Mavs have won some games and everybody's feeling better, I feel like we can all kind of finally admit that like that was never an excuse. That was a very legitimate problem. Um, But Anyway, that's not, I'm not trying to take a victory lap or anything, but like at the time, you you know, leveler leveler heads were saying, yeah, this is like a really big deal that these guys are missing all this time. But now that we've kind of had some distance from it all, it kind of just confirms that like, yeah, if you can avoid getting COVID, then you should definitely do that because it it sucks pretty bad. Yeah, and you and you even look at some of the teams that haven't had you know to go through COVID this season. And you look at some of the teams, just the teams who haven't had games postponed. And, I mean, Mark Stein tweeted it out the other day. 
of there's I think there's only three teams in a league that haven't had a game postponed yet. The Lakers, Clippers, and Nets. These are three of the best records the in the Knicks, league, right? I, Not the Nets. Or was is Knicks? it the Nets? I thought it was the Nets. I could be wrong, okay. but oh, one yeah, of the no, New you're York right, teams. You're right. You're right. Sorry. 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 Either way, yeah, the it's Knicks three are of the four best teams in the NBA. <laughs> I know, and you know these are they're obviously really really good teams, really good rosters. But I don't think that's nothing. You know, it's not everything, but I don't think it's nothing at the same time either that their season, you know, they haven't had games postponed and stuff. But I, you know, and even from a basketball standpoint, we're, we'll hit different, you know, things about them here in a second. And But especially Jalen Brunson, I want to talk about Brunson. But there's still like this room of they've been playing really, really well, but there's still like this another level that this team can get at because I don't think we've still fully seen KP like fully healthy integrated into this team and like firing on all cylinders because you know once the the snowstorm hit Dallas and you know coming out of that you know KP misses those three games and now he's kind of back get back in the groove a little bit now but like there's still level KP and Luca can get at together as a duo there's still I still think there's like you you know talking about Josh Richardson He's he's very consistent, but I still think there's another level that Josh Richardson could go go you know go to uh, at the same time. So there's still I mean, and I would say going into the season, KP was best player number two, and I would say a lot of people would probably say, oh, Josh Richardson's probably at third guy spot. Maybe Tim Hardaway. It's kind of throw it up, and those are two guys that I would I would say that they haven't even gotten close to what their ceilings are this season compared to a guy like Jalen Brunson who is playing the best basketball of his career, NBA career so far. So I, I there's still like, you could see this Mavericks team be excited as a fan and still say, man, like there's some things that can still get better coming out of the break with those guys. I have a question for you about Richardson before we talk about Brunson. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of, this, it's happened in a couple games now and I just want to get your, your take on it. And I'm, I don't want to ask you a leading question or anything. No, no, no. But in the fourth quarter in the game, game in Dallas against the Hawks not in Atlanta so the the one in Dallas Richardson did not play at all in the fourth quarter and I believe that was also the case against the Grizzlies maybe uh or the Wolves like one of those other teams is like pretty recent he like did not play really at all in the fourth quarter and even the other night I don't think against maybe it was Brooklyn or Orlando he didn't play until there was like two minutes left in the game what do you think about that hmm well, one, I think it's more, you know, about Rick saying, Hey, I'm going to ride the hot hand. And because I think it does have a lot to do with Brunson. And with, when you have a guy like Brunson that's playing at the level that he's playing at, that, you know, it's, they like him coming off the bench. They, and they like him finishing games at times. And to give him, I think he's a, he's a better creator and facilitator than, than Josh is. I would say Josh is a better defender, but, just what Jalen there's been so many times over the first part of Lucas career that, and even up until these last few weeks that myself and a lot of people are like, man, I would love to see Luca play with another like creator type. I would love to see Luca a little bit more off the ball. I'd love to see, you know, when Luca takes a, a spot up you know, three pointer, I like freak out. I'm like, I want to see more of that. I want to see Luca take a few more threes, just, you know, spotting up. But to see him and Brunson play off, to you know they have a great chemistry, and so I think it's just 
Unfortunately for Josh, I think it's kind of weird, but, but I just think Ricks is playing the hot hand with it. And can you, are there lineups that you can get away with playing Brunson and Josh with Luca? Yeah, sure. So then the, the decision comes, okay, you're going to play Tim or you're going to play Josh. And you're probably going to, right now, you're going to go with the better shooter. I mean, Tim's shooting right at 40% from three. Josh is shooting right at 30% from three. So, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. And because, yeah, going into the season, I, I would have said that, I mean, I, I did say, I, I thought Josh was, I'm like, all right, Josh is going to be like number three, number four, guaranteed starter every game, guaranteed finishing every game. But I think Brunson's play is kind of like, all right, if Brunson's having another hot game, I think they're just going to ride with Brunson. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I agree with you on that because I know like, yeah, where, the, yeah, where do you stand on it? Yeah, I don't really want to get into the whole like winning or losing the Seth Curry trade because like oh, it, it happened like two months ago. <laughs> There's it's been like 25 games, and frankly, like Seth was unlucky enough to get COVID as well, and since he's come back. His numbers have taken a nosedive too. I know he got off to a fantastic start, but he's he's been struggling with that as well, unfortunately. Um, but they're different players, you know. And I I think that I was not surprised that he wasn't in the game against Atlanta because Dallas was down and Brunson and Hardaway were like the reason why they came back to win that game. Um, you know, I think even Luca was on the bench whenever Dallas was going on that huge run for a little while. I think so. The yeah. other game, I think they were winning. And he was on the bench, which that was a little more surprising to me, if only because he was more of a defender. Whereas, like you would you would think with a player like Seth, for example, or, or even Tim Hardaway, you know, you're going to go like offense defense. If you're winning, you have the def- the defenders in, and if you're you're down, then you have um, you know the the shooters in or the scores or whatever. Um, but I think since they went to Porzingis and Maxi, like they go big big in the front court, which. Coming into the year, I did not think was going to happen. And I know you didn't really think so either. Maybe, like, they start games with Powell or Maxi, but they end games with the four wings and Porzingis. But you want to end games with Maxi and, and, and Porzingis, obviously you're going to have Luka in there. Then I really think it is a hot hand thing. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith yeah. has been shooting the ball better lately, which is really good to see. He and Luka have really good chemistry. He's always cutting, and, and Luka's always finding him. So you want him on the floor for offense, just for guy knows his role. And also for defense, he's their probably their best offensive rebounder. Really pretty good defensive rebounder, too, frankly. Shot blocker. It's like you want Dorian in the game. So it really comes down to that last spot. And sure, like if you're winning by seven, maybe you want your better defender in. And Richardson is maybe the best perimeter defender on the team, at least for like smaller guards. Yeah. But I'm with you, man. If Brunson's playing that well, like how could you take him out of the game? Like the other night against Orlando, he had 24 points. And like Orlando was, even though Dallas was up like 18 points with like six minutes left or whatever, Orlando was coming back into that game and Brunson hit like a couple of their last shots to kind of quell yeah. the quell the run there. And so even when you're ahead in the NBA nowadays, you still need to score. So I, I, I can kind of see both sides. Like Seth closed a lot of games for Dallas last year, but that's because Dallas was losing – games late last year very often Um, and even when they were winning you know the defense was not able to come up with stops whenever it was the you know Seth Tim Luca Porzingis and Dorian lineups Um, and so I'm 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 all aboard the Brunson train with you and we can talk about him next but I just wouldn't look too far into basically put a bow on this I wouldn't look too far into Richardson being on the bench late in games I think viewing him as the team's third best player might be like 
I don't know, wrong. I, I wouldn't even say wrong because I, I think he's still a pretty good offensive player, even despite the shooting percentage. He's been shooting better lately. Very valuable defender, brings a lot of energy. Um, so I, I don't know if he's the third best player, but just because he, even if he is, that doesn't mean that he's the third best crunch time player, which I know yeah. sounds stupid, but like I, I kind of think it's true, but I, I, maybe that's really dumb. I have no idea. But the way that Brunson's playing and when Hardaway's having great games, like you ride the hard hand, and the best thing about Josh Richardson is that he doesn't care about not being in the game late. Like he's like very happy to cheer on the teammates too. So I was going to say, he's the first guy up off the bench. He's the first guy. I mean, he's front and center of cheering the team on. And but yeah, you broke down the lineup. I think that that's the key for me that you see towards the end of these games when Brunson's out there and he's playing really, really well, that when you have Dorian and Maxie, you know, these are three and D guys, right? I mean, you're not going to throw the ball to Dorian and Maxie, you know, theoretically and say, Hey, go get me a bucket and all that, like play defense, hit the open three and even KP to an extent, like you so you kind of need an, you need another guy out there. There was just a game the other day. I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but it was in the fourth quarter and Luca threw it to Brunson and Luca just kind of stood off to the side because you know, his workload. So, so heavy at times and he was just kind of chilling and Brunson just off the dribble. ISOed, did it, you know, got into the lane, did his whole like leaning, you know, one legged thing. And it goes in and it's like, that's why Jalen Brunson's in the game right now. When he's hitting those shots, it's that having that, Giving Luca a break some night, at least a breather while he's on the court. Another guy who can go get a bucket. And I'm not saying Josh can't do that. Josh has an incredible mid-range game that I've learned about him watching him more on an everyday basis. But Jalen just has that a little bit more. And when he's hitting the three, I think that's the, a big thing too. Jalen runs shooting 41% from three this season. I think it might even be up to 43 at this point. And I mean, that's huge, especially late in games when you know, Josh is attempting five threes a game at 30% when you have Jalen who's shooting 43%. And that percentage comes into play when it's you know late in the fourth. Yeah, and against Boston, even when Brunson was cooking, they were still like sending two guys at Luka late in that game. Yeah. And so you you do need another playmaker out there. Um, but we'll see. You know, like if Brunson has a bad month, he's not going to be closing games. That's for sure. I mean, Rick, yeah. is, Rick is coaching this team like it's game seven every single game right now. And so... Uh, if if you're struggling, you won't be in the game. Like Tim has had, by and large, a pretty good season, um, almost fantastic season. But you know, the last couple games, his shooting has really dropped off for the last two or three games here, and he has not been in the game in the fourth quarter, like hardly at all. Like he'll play like one or two minutes and then sit down. So um, Rick doesn't have time for guys that are going through slumps, basically. So you yeah. better you better bring it every game, and that's kind of my favorite thing about Jalen Brunson. This is a couple years ago now right at the start of 1920, uh, like during camp even, of 1920. Um, Brunson oh, came like on the ceiling is like the roof the year? with uh, with me and, uh, me and Machine. And I asked him, like, I was, I, I might have already told you this story. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did. But I asked him, like, you know, what do you, what do you want to get better at this year? And I figured he was going to say, like, my three-point percentage or my free throw, like, you know, just some real generic thing. Uh, but he said that he wants to be able to do like the same thing every single time he's on the court. So just like become super consistent player. Like mm. you have your your, your the, the pace at which you play, the decisions that you make, uh, going hard to the basket, like being the same guy every single time down the floor, which means limiting mistakes and turnovers and doing more good things, sure. But it's also like a level of aggression and a level of kind of like um, – 
uh, I guess just like verve. And and Brunson does have like especially in the open court, dude. He's like sprinting the ball up the floor and he's throwing yeah. himself at the basket. And not only is that sort of you know it's good because he he's making those shots, but uh, it just gives them a kind of a different element because Luca is. You know, Luca's not trying to sprint it up the floor every time, and he's not trying to throw the ball. You know, he he throws himself at the rim twenty times a game, but he can't do it thirty times. And so, Jalen now, like every single night, it helps that he's shooting like sixty percent for like the last six months. But every single night, whether he's on or off, he's still going to be taking the same shots, doing the same thing, playing just as hard as he always does, which is really good because we just spent 15 minutes talking about how the team wasn't playing hard for like a month. And, yeah. you know, that's never been an issue with Brunson, no matter whether he's starting, coming off the bench, whatever. And so uh, it's very easy to see why Rick loves him and why Donnie loves him and why, like, he's probably going to be a Mav for his entire career if things go well, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. He's, like, he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch and also just, like, to follow on Twitter. <laughs> oh, he's just a, such a fun dude, fun guy to cover from a media standpoint, to follow on Twitter. And, you know, what did he tweet out the other night? The, the vibes are immaculate right now, I think. And uh, But when you think, I think back to that, that draft night, and everything was about Luka. Obviously it was. And, you know, the trade and the Hawks. And, you know, we were there at American Airlines Center eating our fajitas and, and all I of that. I missed fajita and, night that night. That's the one bad thing about it. Look at you. I just miss fajitas in general from the AAC. I miss those Dude. days. Uh, Me too. But, and the ice cream but machine. That, oh, my God. <laughs> but that night, you know, Nerland's getting a hot dog. Dude. <laughs> Uh, but that night, you know, we obviously still had Dennis. Dennis was in Dallas, uh, you know, uh, a high, a top 10 draft pick, you know, just uh, what the year before. And, you know, they had that 33rd pick and it was like, all right, there were some wings around that, that spot. And there were a couple bigs. I remember liking that draft. It's like, all right, well, they already took Luca and, you know, Luca's going to take the ball out of Dennis's hands, you know, rightfully so. I mean, Luca's, uh, the better player. I don't think that's any, uh, spicy hot take there, but they took Jalen Brunson and it was like, okay, like we just took Dennis last year and now we're taking Jalen Brunson. And I remember there, yeah, there was, there was a, a media guy there who told me, he was like, what, like Brunson could be even a better fit than Dennis. And I'm like, okay, we just took Dennis last year. And it's like, really? Like, I mean, Jalen hadn't even suited up for Dallas yet. And just to see from that night as a 33rd overall pick, how much Michael Finley hyped up Brunson and how, and you know, they just, I feel like they talked about Brunson just as much as Luca in that press conference the next day, you know, when they both walked in together and held up their jerseys and all this. And, you know, Naismith winner, we know his whole college, you know, resume and two national titles, all this stuff. But, you know, I, I didn't expect him to be at this level. Like, I mean, and you know, Brunson, I, I it's relative in a sense, right? I mean, Brunson's not an all-star, but just to see a second round pick playing at the level that he's playing and how important he is to this team and just his friendship with Luca. And now just looking back at that draft, it really isn't just about Luca. That draft isn't just a Luca draft. It will be highlighted by that, especially for the Mavericks, but you also got Jalen Brunson in that draft. And yeah, I mean, arguably, arguably your two most consistent Mavericks this season are from that draft class. 
Yeah, it took a lot of nerve for Dallas to draft Brunson because you, yeah, they did really spend did. basically a top 10 pick on Dennis, like you said, and they spent a top three pick on another point guard in Luka. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, initially the plan, of course, is to make Luka and Dennis work, and it didn't. But at that press conference, whenever they were both – Luka and, and Brunson were both introduced, um, I asked Jalen, like, hey, man, they got Dennis on the depth chart ahead of you. Like, yeah. how does it feel to – kind of like you're in second place like from the get-go um and he said i don't care i'm gonna push dennis every day i'm gonna work i remember that he said i'm gonna challenge him i'm gonna push him every day i do remember that yeah yeah yeah. and i was like okay (laughs) yeah looked uh looked over at harrison barnes i was like all right your guy is uh he's he's not messing around you know um and it was very true it's not just it wasn't like coach speak from brunson like he really did push dennis to the point where you know it became uh kind of funny on Twitter even before that trade to say that Brunson was the best point guard on the team outside of Luka but like he's proven it man he's a yeah super super legit player and it's it's been really cool to see him develop and and now I just wonder like you know the the conversation I guess has moved from like is he a good NBA player obviously but now like is he a starter level NBA player I think personally, I think he has a little ways to go defensively because, I mean, he's a point guard and he, he's not defending twos or threes. Like, he's got to defend ones because of his size. Yeah. And, like, dude, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, these guys are, like, world-class athletes and just quickness and everything. And uh, so it's tough for it's tough for anyone to stay in front of them, but it's tough, it's been tough for Jalen to do that. And so that's kind of, I think, the next development in his game, just, like, I don't know if that's better, like getting around screens or just using his body more. I don't know. I, I personally like that was the whole at the core of my argument with Eddie Johnson last year on Twitter is like, dude, <laughs> you, you tell me how do you guard Damian Lillard? I have no idea um, yeah. because it's impossible. If <laughs> if it was easy, then everyone would do it. So I'm not going to suggest how Jalen gets better at defense, but um, I think that's kind of like the, the missing component. But he and Luka get on very well. And, like, yeah. I know that Luka is the point guard, but Brunson's kind of playing this – excelling in this sort of, like, off-guard sort of scoring guard role. Um, and so that could and, definitely and it's such work a, for them. Just that, like, him coming off the bench as this – let's just tab him as the backup point guard. How important is that spot for really good teams? How many good teams across the league right now oh, are rumored or all this stuff? And it's like they're desperate need and are looking at that draft saying they would kill for a Jalen Brunson right now. From the Bostons of the world to you know the Clippers of the world. I, so many of these good teams, they would die for a backup point guard like Jalen Brunson. I mean, he really – I know you know we've I, I've seen not to – I feel like I were just shouting out McMahon multiple times on his pod here. But he's a good guy. I, you know, he is. He's great. Seeing you know, McMahon tweeted out again the other day, he's like he's one of the best backup point guards in the entire NBA, and that's what he's establishing himself now and hearing his name on some of these national – you know, talk shows or podcasts and are like, man, Brunson's really important for this Mavericks team. And like, yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, like you look back just to the Mavs, like you're Jason Terry kind of, you know, I've called him Gen Z JJ forever, but now he's, he's become more of a scorer than a kind of a facilitator. So he's playing like the jet role. Lou Williams, Jamal really Crawford, is. like, you know, those guys think about that. Yeah. You know, those guys are more prolific scorers. Brunson's had, you know, scored in double figures eight straight games it's not like he's lighting the world on fire like Lou Williams or anybody but you know you look around the league like Goran Dragic Monty Morris like those guys you know their numbers game to game Dragic is like he's barely played it all this year but 
you know, those guys' numbers game to game, they're not going to jump off the page. But, like, there's still a whole lot of value in getting 12 points and three assists in 24 minutes. There's a whole lot of value, especially when half of those are going to come with Luka, take the ball out of his hands. And then more importantly, half of them are going to come without Luka. Brunson's the guy that comes in for Luka at, like, the five, six-minute mark in these quarters. And, you know, to his credit, like, earlier in the year, those minutes without Luka were rough. But lately, I mean, they've been pretty good, even without Porzingis, because Brunson and and Hardaway are just – they've been so dynamic off the bench to where, like, one of them are going to be good on any given night, and maybe even both of them. And when both of them are good, then you're going to score, like, 140 points. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, we're talking about his three-point shooting and how he's he's right at 42%. I just pulled it up. But just look like – look where this team is at now shooting a three compared to – you know, a month ago when we were looking at some of these percentages and stuff. I mean, Tim Hardaway's at 39%, Trey Burke, which, you know, Burke's minutes have been, you know, not super consistent in rotation, but he's shooting 40% on three threes a game basically. But then Brunson at, at 42%. And then one of my favorite stories of this season is Maxi, And Maxie's shooting 47%, basically rounding up a little bit, 47% from three, you look at his career numbers. I love, I just love Dorian and Maxi so much just because it feels like they've been around forever when, you know, it's really, I guess, just been what, four years. But just to see these two guys come in as undrafted guys and that they're still here, they're still part of the rotation. But looking at Maxi's three point percentage in his career, his rookie season, he shot 31%. Then he jumped up to 35%. And then last year he was at 37% or 36%. And then this jump again up to 47%. I mean, that's the stuff. I just love seeing guys that put in the work so much and to see it pay off like that. And honestly, when I watch Mavs games now, every time Maxi shoots an open three-pointer, I'm like, it's going in. That's that's all day. And to see a guy like Maxi, who's 6'10", and he's honestly one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. Like when you look at all the really good teams in the league and, you know, even going back to the Bruce Bowens of the world, that the cheaper guys that are starters, huge part of the rotation, but you're like, man, can you play really good defense? And can you knock down the open three? Maxie's 6'10", and he's one of the best three and D guys in the league. So your note about them feeling like they've been around forever, did you know that by the end of the year, like unless – you know, God forbid something happens. Dorian could be, let's see, if he if Dorian plays every single game for the rest of the year, he will be 20th all time in games played for the Mavs. 20th. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Maxi, if Maxi plays every game, uh, he will be, what, there's 35 games left? He'll be 26th. That's insane. Yeah. So, like, those guys are, you know, they've been and around for contract, a very long time. You know, for – yeah, a couple more years. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they've gotten better every year. And we always say, like, it's kind of a almost like a just a truism at this point that development is not linear. <laughs> For them, it has been. <laughs> I mean, it's every single yeah. year they've gotten better. Uh, and it's been kind of, you know, a, I don't know, to call it a joy, I guess, would be a little bit of an overstatement. But, you know, I know he's not popular right now, but don't kill me for saying this. One of the only good things about kind of that rebuild period was the Mavs discovering that Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, and Dwight Powell are good players. You know, yeah. 
uh, there were a lot of guys that were cycled in and out of here, you know, and, and for the last year of them being bad, it was about Luca and Jalen Brunson, both, uh, you know, kind of, kind of earning their stripes and everything. But, you know, that was a, that was a three or four year process where it was pretty nasty, but Finney Smith and Maxi in particular and Dwight Powell as well until, you know, he got hurt last year, they got a ton of minutes through that whole thing and blossomed as players. So whether or not, you know, it doesn't matter that they were undrafted, doesn't matter that they were second round picks, wherever they've been traded, you know, Powell was traded a few times and blah, blah, blah. Like once you get in the league, it's all about what you can do, right? There's been a lot of lottery picks that are gone. Like we just talked yeah. about Dennis, like Dennis is now on his what third team. And yeah. I, I don't know what his deal is. Like Justin Jackson, former Mav. I don't know what, what's going on with him. He, he's on, he's on the thunder. We'll see him tonight. Um, he's going to hit six threes against us tonight now. What's up? I say he's now going to hit six threes against the Mavs tonight now. We well, you know he had a really good game against the Kings last year in his first game back in Sacramento. Um, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. so there I is something that. to the revenge game with him. We'll see about that. But, um, you know, those guys developed a lot. They put in the work. And I, I don't know. It's just been it's been really cool to see, you know, and again, unfortunately, Powell had that Achilles injury and, and you know, hasn't kind of been the same guys this year as he was last year. But even last year, there were a lot of people that just, like, didn't give him a chance. And yeah. it was it was kind of interesting. Maxie's first couple of years, no one wanted to give him a chance. There were people that even still don't want to give Dorian a chance. And it's like, dude, this is like awesome. This is a success story that they've been able to develop these guys, and that these guys have been able to develop themselves into the players that they are, given where they started from. You know, like they've come a very long way to the point now. Like we said this last year, might have been a little premature, but like Maxie's like a top ten three and D player in the NBA. You know, yeah. Dorian is like maybe a top 10 3 and D player in the NBA. Um, and that is, that's like the most desired thing in the league right now, even more than yeah. your big ball handlers, even more than your scoring off guards. Like how many 3 and D wings can you have? The Mavs have two for sure. And then the third one, Josh Richardson, you know, trying to develop Tim Hardaway gives him the three, you know, like if, if Tim Hardaway and Josh Richardson could like fuse, they would be <laughs> like an all-star. Um, yeah. but you know, Dallas has really done a good job of, of developing those guys. And so it's been cool to see kind of their work pay off, but that's, that ends my Homer rant. No, that, yeah, that's everything that, I mean, you look at it, like how important a guy like Royce, Royce O'Neal is for Utah. And it's like, that's the type of role that every team needs those guys. And Maxi is a similar guy. Dorian is a similar guy to that. And these are guys that are going to play big roles. They that they played roles in, in the playoffs, you know, against the Clippers last year in the bubble. But as Dallas moves forward and trying to take that next step as a team and trying to get to you know further in the playoffs, you have to have these role players like the Maxis and Dorians of the world. So we just spent basically thirty-five minutes talking about how good this team is, uh, but there was kind of a, a bad start to the season. And, you know, kind of almost gloss over it because, like, again, first nine games or whatever, no KP, and then basically for the next ten, there was no Richardson or Finney-Smith or any of those guys. Uh, up and down, choppy waters. You know, Luka got off to a very slow start to the year, I think 9%, like his first five games. Stayed late after the, what was that, the Hornets game? Yeah. Put up shots for 40 minutes or whatever it was. Remember Did there you were see any videos of that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, were, there were a couple. I remember a lot of people were uh, were not too pleased for some reason that Lucas stayed late to work on his jump shot. They thought that it was like just for Twitter or something. It was like oh, come on. peak peak absurdity. Uh, but since then, 
like near 40% on threes for like two straight yeah. months has been unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, Lucas bounced back from the, from the start and new guys are playing. You know, the rotation was much different at the start of the year. Um, you look around the G League now, like Tyler Bay especially is getting some huge run in the G League. Um, yeah. Tyler Terry has had some good moments. Josh Green has had some good moments. His jump shot looks like really nice. I don't know if he's he's reworked it or, or just improved it or what. Um, but yeah, it's been good to see those guys play. Nate Hinton uh, the other day had 13 rebounds uh, as a starter wow. for the Santa Cruz Warriors. So you know everything is kind of like trending in the right direction for them. But they're still only a game over 500. They're still on the outside of the top eight. More importantly, on the outside of the top six. And so what is kind of the, you know, let's end on a negative. Uh, what is kind of the the thing or things that has bothered you this year or that you're looking to see, you know, improvement uh, in the second half of the season? Oh, gosh. I mean, defense is – I think the defense has taken weeks off the end of my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want that – I mean, I feel like that's kind of the cop-out answer on this, but – this has been the biggest topic going into training camp. I mean, till now. And, you know, there's a lot of factors in between those moments, but going into training camp, that was what was preached. And of hey, we're gonna we're gonna work on defense. We wanna be better defensively. You know, they were eighteenth last year, I think, right? Yes. Wasn't they, didn't they finish eighteenth last year? And you know, the whole thing was hey, we wanna be top ten, you know, at least the first, you know, top half. And just to see, you know, those first like what week, maybe two weeks of the season, they were good defensively. And we're like, oh man, have they turned the page? But, you know, looking at it now, I think we're setting to what 27th, 28th in the league. Still down there? Uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 And to be fair, though, Orlando specifically, dude, they shot like 50% on threes. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know, oh, so like. Evan, Evan Fornius, what? Yeah, so defensive rating this year, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm on the fence about it counting, but yeah. But yeah, just defensively. And, you know, I think specifically just guarding the pick and roll uh, at times, just being able to, you know, and the Mavericks have talked about KP, you know, and KP just kind of getting back to, you know, what he used to be defensively. It's taken a little bit longer, I think, defensively than it is offensively for him. Uh, he's talked about the mental side of that too. And I mean, he's openly talked about, it. he's like, Hey, there's so many times that I'm, I'm, I see the play and I'm like going to do it. But then it's like, I'm a split second late. And it's like just him getting his timing back defensively and stuff. And so we've seen him, you know, struggle some uh, guarding pick and roll and just being able to get out there and, you know, get a hand up on a shot or a guy getting past him on that. Uh, but some other bigs too. So I, I think just collectively, this team, they they know it, but how do they fix the defense over the second half? How do you climb out? I mean, yeah, we're we're worse than we were last year at this point defensively. Uh, how how can you climb up to that fifteenth range at least defensively? Is it scheme? Is it rotation stuff? Is you know what is that? That's for people who make way more money than I do. Yeah, I think some of it, again, can be attributed to COVID. You know, we saw the offense kind of sputter for a bit once those guys came back because they're trying to find the rhythm. Defense is even harder to figure out, and so maybe maybe just with more reps, they'll improve. Yeah. You know, I feel like they've they've looked better or looked sharper at least since they had that week off, and they get another week off now, which is cool. That You know, they won't be practicing every day during this, but they'll at least get to you know kind of relax a little bit and, and work out a little bit too. 
Um, and this OK this OKC game, OKC's thirtieth in the league in offensive rating. Really? Let yes. Oh yeah, and, dude. Lou Dort got off to a great start to the season. He was shooting like forty five percent from three for like a month and a half, and since then his numbers have just taken a nosedive. You know, I'm low key excited for Lou Dort guarding Luca. Yeah, I see, uh, he did a good Lou job against him last year. He did, and Shea Lou is versus. a really good defender too. Like they, he is, that's, yeah. that's a tough that's a tough team for Luca to go against, but. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, I think with more reps, will be better. Uh, I was gonna say something. Oh, yeah, dude. They've also had like the hardest schedule in the league, just in terms of strength of schedule. I don't know if it mm. still is after the Magic game. It might have gone down a second, but I mean they've ha- they've played a lot of really tough games. And kind of the the cruel uh, sort of you know way that the the schedule played out is, despite missing more games due to COVID than any other team in the NBA, only three of their games were postponed. Those things are obviously related. But the three games that were postponed were three of the easiest games on the schedule. Pelicans, mm. Pistons, and Rockets. The Rockets have lost like 15 straight games or something. And I'm not trying to throw stones or whatever. Like, they're going through it. Dude, they are struggling with injuries right now. They have not yeah. been the same since Christian Wood got hurt. Dallas would have played them in that time. So, anyway, you're playing a lot of hard games down key starters. I think your defense is going to suffer. But even still, I'm with you. They've got to get better. Last year, they were the last-ranked defense to make the playoffs. Um, mm. And we saw how they really struggled to get stops against the Clippers in the first round. You've got to be better than 18th. Crack the top 10 makes you a title contender. At this point, it would have to be pretty epic in the second half for them to get to the top 10. Uh, but you can kind of throw out everything that happened before like Maxi came back against Phoenix. right? Like The first month and a half of the season is history. You can't yeah. undo the stats, you can't undo the standings, but there's a lot of asterisks on those first like 45, 50 games of the se- or 50 days of the season. Everybody knows it and so it's all just full full steam ahead like let's go, let's move on. Um but yeah, I mean they they've got to be better. I I agree they they have to be better defensively. Um it doesn't start with KP, but it certainly finishes with KP. Um you know, if he becomes or like re-becomes, I guess the rim protector that he was last year, <clears throat> last year then uh that'll be a big help but the guys in the perimeter got to do a good job of helping them out too so it's it's a, it's yeah. a team effort it's communication effort it's a hard work dirty work all that stuff um there's nothing there's nothing sexy about defense that's why it's more fun to talk about offense but it's what it's going to take man for them to get to where they want to go but uh all right any any other things that are grinding your gears or any any other final words this one's been uh, kind of a long one but there's been a lot to talk about um i just yeah, I mean, just this weekend, wherever uh, you guys land on whether there should be an all-star game or not, <laughs> um, if they would have canceled this, I would have been perfectly fine with that. Uh, but they didn't. It's going to happen. And I just think as Mavs fans, let's just sit back and enjoy another year of Luka Doncic being an all-star starter and seeing him out there. And it's just, I think it's another reminder of, you know, we watch this guy play every single game, and it's like, oh, he's on our team. He's great. We post the stats and highlights. But just to see him out there with, you know, the LeBrons and Giannis and Kawhis of the world, it's just another – it's a visual reminder of, oh, okay, Luke is not just good in, good in our hearts and, you know, in our uh, – in what we see on a nightly basis, but he's actually – he really is, like, one of the best, you know, five, six players in the league. So I'm just going to kick back and enjoy seeing him on the stage with all the other greats in the league. Yeah. And uh, I know we joked about vacation earlier. I'm not going anywhere. going to try and see this thing through, man. I haven't gotten any shots in my arm. So um, 
still going to try and be safe. Hopefully everybody else is too. But yeah, enjoy some time away from basketball. It has been, they've played what, 30, after tonight, it will have been 34 games in like 65 days or something like insane. And that includes a whole week off. So yeah. uh, it's it's been chaotic, and the second half of the season is going to be even more fast-paced because you got a lot of games to make up uh, that a lot of teams are going to be playing, dude. Like, the Mavs are playing basically two games and three nights every single section of three nights, like, for the rest of the season. So it's going to be a lot of this, a lot of being tired, a lot of misremembering, like, which game was it? Because there's been, like, five in yep. the last four days somehow. Um, so, yeah, just enjoy, enjoy some time off. Uh, i got to get some reading done for uh for my book club <laughs> that that meets next week so <laughs> looking forward to doing that too and uh yeah maybe uh might might go complete the pokedex or something might mess around and add to my nba top shot collection i got a I lot of say. options is what i'm saying all right i got i got a lot <laughs> planned for this all-star break i'm really looking forward to it see who you uh this is what bobby's gonna do bobby's gonna pull a vintage Dwayne wade moment from the 06 finals and it's going to be worth like so much money and that's just going to be the But I'm going to hold thing. on to it because it just means so much to me as a friend <laughs> of Dwayne Wade and as a collector because I'm I'm in top shot for the memories I'm not in it for the money. <laughs> and then he has this random account buy it and ends up being Bennett Salvatore. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be brutal. Charge double to that guy. Pay me pay me double the listing price and it's yours. All right, Isaac. He is Isaac L. Harris on Twitter. You can hear him on Mavs Daily. You can read him on Mavs.com. You can hear him very, very often on Locked on Mavs. I am Bobby Corelli. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corelli. You can find me on a bunch of podcasts that aren't published as often as they should. But uh, it's been kind of a, you know, it's been a weird year. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, subscribe, review, share it with all your friends, share it with all the Mavs fans you know and all the Heat fans you know, uh, because we are now officially a Heat-friendly podcast, or at least I am a Heat-friendly host. Uh, just ask D-Wade, he'll tell you. And uh, yeah, enjoy the All-Star break. We'll be back with you, I don't know, what's it, today's Wednesday, right? Uh, yeah. Probably be back with you before the game, or certainly after the All-Star game talk about all the crazy things Luke is going to do. I bet he's going to drop 50 points or something just outrageous win the All-Star Game MVP uh, on his route to the title. But uh, there's a long way to go between now and then, and we will be with you nearly every step of the way on Mavs Daily. So until then, stay safe and uh, enjoy the All-Star break. See you next time.